2: episode of Concussion Chats. My name is Taya. Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill students for the Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from the Concussion Talk podcast. We are dedicated to providing hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences. Today I have a recording of Ella Sophia's talk to our support group. Ella Sophia, uh, a habit coach, is a content creator at retrainyourbrain.ca In January 2008 at the age of 14, Ella suffered a hemorrhagic stroke due to an ABM rupture in her cerebellum. About nine years after her recovery, through a long process of self-care and self-reflection, she realized that mental rehabilitation is just as, if not more important than physical. Ella received a Master's of Arts in Sociology um, from the University of Waterloo in 2018, and now she specializes in the mind's role in habit creation.
3: Thank you for that lovely introduction, Tia, and thank you for having me here today. Hi, everybody. My name is Ella. Nice to meet you all. Um, so I guess I'm gonna go into about 10 to 20 minutes of. Talk about a bit more of my background today. I wanted to touch a little bit on how we view recovery um, and how a perspective of recovery can either hinder us or propel us forward. Um, and I didn't realize there were different perspectives on recovery until about that nine, 10-year mark after my stroke. Um, so hopefully by me sharing this story today, um, If you guys are, you know, a few years out, a couple months out from your concussions or your brain injuries, you can start the process a little bit earlier than I did. Um, Start by giving a little bit of background about my brain injury. So as Taya mentioned, in January 2008, I had a hemorrhagic stroke. Um, I was 14, just starting nine, um, and that hemorrhagic stroke was in my cerebellum, so just in that little bottom piece of your brain. and that was caused by an AVM rupture. So basically, um, what that is is, AVM stands for arteriovenous malformation. And essentially, when all these little blood vessels come together in your head, they're supposed to be connected via these tiny little blood vessels called capillaries. So they come together like this. And the purpose of the capillaries is to um, regulate the pressure of blood, essentially. And so, in my head, the capillaries didn't form correctly, and nobody knew this. Um so I just continued life as usual. And um, one day, because the capillaries so the blood flowing through the capillaries um, wasn't regulated, they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until one day they burst. and that was in January two thousand and eight. And so then my brain started absorbing the blood, and I had a stroke as a result. I think it was technically too, but like after you have one stroke, just stop counting. Um, And so my repercussions after my stroke were probably very similar um, or similar to some of the repercussions you guys might have had here after your concussions. Um, So for me, because my stroke was cerebellar, that your cerebellum controls your coordination, specifically coordination of uh, not just your physical movements, but also your thoughts and your emotions um so when it came to the physical all the left hand side of my body was um damaged or i had trouble using the left hand side of my body i wasn't um i didn't have any paralysis or i was not hemiplegic, but i had a lot of trouble moving and using the left hand side of my body so i was in a walker i was diagnosed with the sarthia so i had a speech pathologist um as far as thoughts and emotion, a lot of short-term memory loss. Um, I think a lot of you may have even experienced that after your concussion. Like for me, it was like Dory from Finding Nemo where you don't even know that you forgot something. Quite humorous, I'm sure. Um, And so um, because of these deficits, I basically felt like I lost my identity. So I lost past Ella. Um, My identity specifically was an athlete. I was an avid soccer player and an academic um i loved i didn't love school um i loved being smart and i excelled in school and i am i always wanted to go to school afterwards to be a lawyer and a professional soccer player (laughs) Um, and so obviously when this happened in grade nine it kind of um things took a turn for the worse and i wasn't really able to uh achieve those ultimate goals and i felt like i was essentially just a body, and I have no identity. I felt like I was completely different person, and it ended up leading to a lot of negative thoughts. Um, Mainly, I felt that if I didn't have my ella then I felt like there was no point in living. And uh, so I'm just going to take a little peek at my notes here. Right. So because I felt like I did lose that part of my identity, I figured, okay, I have to recover and get it back. Of course, the doctor's orders were sending me to the physio and the speech pathologist, and they would always ask you, you know, how much do you think you are recovered? How far along do you think you are? Um, and I viewed recovery as a percentage. Uh, maybe a lot of you have talked about recovery as a percentage with your doctors as well. And so, Eventually, I started to look at recovery um, with my um, of myself as you know I'm 99% recovered, but I'm never going to be 100% again. Um, and at the time, I thought that was a really good thing. And it's like 99%, like you're passing, you know, like that's better than did in school. Um, and so at the time, I thought that was good, but I didn't realize that. By telling myself I'm never going to be 100% again, I was actually bringing myself down. And my view of recovery was actually counterintuitive because the more I focused on trying to become my past self again, I actually made it more difficult for me to adapt to my present self. Um, and so I didn't realize by saying I'm 99% recovered and I'm never going to be 100% again, I didn't realize that I was actually throwing out an opportunity for me to become 100% of my my new self, my new Ella. Um, And as I mentioned, a lot of negative thoughts started building up as a result of this um, to the point where I just felt living was pointless. Um, And that actually led to a sad scare At the end of 2017. And that's when I finally realized that my life was actually never gonna get better in the sense that, um, you know, these are things that I might have to live with for the rest of my life. But the only thing that can actually make my life better is the way I started to responding to uh, my challenges. And I needed to start responding to them so that I can actually start adapting. Um, so now when I have challenges, I see them in a few different ways. So, first, I don't see anything as a deficit or a limitation anymore. People ask me a lot in uh just one on one conversations and podcasts and interviews, whatever it may be, like, what are your deficits post stroke? Because it's been about 13 almost 13 years for me now, and I believe I don't have any (laughs) that's not ignorance Um, I just don't see them as deficits or limitations I see them as challenges I need to adapt to now because the longer I view those things as deficits or limitations um, I'm setting up limits for myself Um, I'm looking at myself as somebody who is disabled really I just have to do things differently now Um, I find that that's a huge trend in the brain injury and stroke community online is people viewing themselves as um, having a disability when really if you look at the word disability it means not able right disabled and there are a lot of people who you know sadly cannot use certain parts of their body um but when it comes to the brain we all know neuroplasticity is you know a saving grace so Although there might be a part of the brain that is damaged because the brain can heal itself and um, different parts of the brain can take over for damaged parts, I don't see that as a disability, right? It's just being differently abled, right? You have to heal. Um, And so I think having that sort of mindset is going to propel you forward as you recover, so to speak. Um, And then the second way I look at my challenges now in life is as they are they're forging me to become a stronger ella so whenever i have something negative happens to me or i have an experience that makes me think oh if i didn't have a stroke you know i would be able to do this um i think of it as if i'm a sword and i honestly will close my eyes sometimes and i will picture a blacksmith holding a sword and I'll picture that blacksmith dragging that sword across a whetstone to sharpen it. So if I'm a sword, every time I get dragged across that whetstone, I would be like, "Ow, that hurts," you know. But now I'm so much sharper. And so that's how I see—I see my life's challenges now, um, and that honestly helps me um, face more challenges in the future a lot, a lot better. And so I highly recommend. You guys use that visual if you're ever faced with a challenge and you don't know how to move past it. Um, So now I like to myself as an advocate for not necessarily always brain injury awareness, but I like to call it rock bottom awareness. Reason being because we've all felt the lowest we've ever felt, but for different reasons, right? You know, I had a stroke. You guys all here had concussions, right? But yet we can find a lot of common ground. Um, And I think that's really important. And so on my Instagram, on my blog, um, what I like to talk about and what I like to give, I'd like to give tactical advice. Um, So not just like positive quotes um, and good reminders, which are obviously much needed. But for me, I found when I was going through my mental rehabilitation, um, I didn't have tactical advice. I didn't have things that I could use Um, In the front lines, you know, I didn't actually know how to put the really good reminders about, you know, love your life and um, forge your new self. I didn't know how to put those things into action. So that's sort of the type of advice that I like to give to people now. And I'm all about turning your rock bottom into your breakthrough. That's what I say at the beginning of all my YouTube videos. Um, That is my goal world, essentially. Um. And I want to also define those terms for you guys. So I did mention rock bottom was, you know, the lowest you've ever felt and that's completely relative. Now breakthrough, I don't want you to confuse it with a single moment. A breakthrough is not a single moment. If you can picture it, um, I actually do have a visual on my Instagram if you wanna like scroll through and find it, but essentially your breakthrough, in my opinion, is just getting to a point in your life where you can respond or recover quicker after challenges. So instead of, if you're, the path of your life doesn't go like this, right? So when you have your breakthrough, you might be down here, but then because you're at your breakthrough moment and you understand what sort of tactical things work for you, you can recover quicker and then you're good. Maybe you plateau, maybe you go up, But then you go down again, because that's what happens in life. But you're in your breakthrough, so you can recover quicker. And so it's that quick recovery that I think is the focus, not staying up here. It's always quick recovery. I kind of, I got that idea about quick recovery, actually, when I was doing my master's degree at the University of Waterloo. Um, I researched airport security and risk management. And as I was doing that, I realized that physical security was actually very similar to the security of the mind. So I figured, okay, if the focus on security is about quick recovery, then why shouldn't that be the focus in my life as well? And so that's when I started to make that transition. Um, I think another thing that's important to talk about that's um, related to this Um, And this is maybe something that we can all talk about in the the discussion um, is after having a brain injury, I didn't feel like I was a better version of myself. Um, And I have a lot of people say that to me as well, because there's some people you see online, they're like, I'm the 2.0 version of myself, you know, it's old, old Ella died and the better Ella is here. And for me, I I really never felt that way. Um, And so it wasn't until I started viewing my recovery different that I could finally not, I could start creating that new Ella. And so it wasn't about being a better or worse version of myself. It was just about being a different version of myself. And again, that was what allowed uh, myself to propel me forward again and just take on new challenges. and face adversity um so how long have i been talking for probably about 15 minutes yeah, yeah. you i've been going 15, for 13. Five, 13 okay yeah well, pretty good all right well that's pretty much what i had in my notes so i'd love to spend a lot of time in the like talking and discussion with all of you guys i wrote down a few questions and that would maybe take us in certain directions. Um, one of us, one of the questions, was really just an open-ended one to figure out what your takes on identity and recovery um, are in your life post-concussion.
1: Ella, could you repeat that? I'm going to type them in the chat.
3: Yeah, for sure. And also, should I? Oh, got Little message, I can answer that. Um, I'll repeat the question first. Um, so I just wanted to know what are your opinions on identity and recovery um, post-brain injury?
2: Today I have Emily who is also part of the Miguel Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, Nick from Concussion Talk podcast and co host Aaron of Concussion Talk Podcast, who's the coordinator for the Newfoundland Labrador Brain Injury Association. Joining today um on Ella's awesome talk.
4: It was a thought. I guess I'll get this party started. Um, yeah. Yeah, no I, I thought I thought it was a great thought, like the uh, she said it was nine or ten years before she we're around 10 years where she realized that she became philosophical and realizing that she, I don't know, felt, didn't feel like she didn't try to be her own. be More philosophical, I guess, is my point, but she's mm-hmm. not trying to be her old self again, trying to be, trying to be who she is now. Yeah, I mean, like the
2: acceptance
4: part. Yeah, that's kind of like, I guess, I guess roughly my time frame, I guess. I guess It's just, unfortunately, one of those things that, Sounds like we both had I, mean, I don't know uh, both with both different injuries than concussions, so I'm not sure that for that difference in time work there. But again, that severity is not like linked to loss of loss of consciousness or anything like that. So,
2: mm-hmm.
4: so you know, it's too it many things. I mean, time yeah. frames necessary, set stone, right. but.
2: Another thing we talked about with the group was also just the whole, just the fact that um, as a reminder, just that the people that come on and share for Thursday mornings, like they're just sharing like, their experience um, and uh, like everyone obviously has like, their different opinions and views on how we um, talk about things and that was also a topic that we talked about um, just like in terms of for Ella, like, really worked well for her to be really positive and see things um, positively and not as a disability, um, and then other people kind of um, relate more to that, like, kind of, like, endorse that label more, so we kind of also just talked about, like, how everyone has different opinions and different feelings for all those things, which, which is was a really people? interesting discussion. Yeah. Go on
0: there thinking about like the disability word too, how she liked to think of it, like it was kind of not able was the meaning towards it and she didn't like that, so she wanted to take on the ability part. Um, it just reminded me of a client we have here as well who even wrote a book and it was like this disability disability. So it was like to focus more on the fact of things you still can do and not get drag down with what you can't. Yeah, and it's so
1: tricky because like, Right now I'm dealing with, I think Tay is as well, so I'm dealing with the school um, office for students with disability. And I it took me so long to finally be like, all right, this is a limitation that I have. And doesn't mean I'm defined by it, like, but I need to like, use their technology, right? And so it was kind of like I took so long to finally be like, okay, I have to tell these people that this is this disability and this is this limitation and I need help. And then, I don't know, I got a little defensive with it.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I get, I get what she's saying too. It's like, I just need to adapt around it. But unfortunately, I kind of have to go through this, you know, saying five million times to different people, it feels like that I have a disability and limitation.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotta like jump through a bunch of hoops to kind of like get the help you need once you kind of accept that you do have disability, but then also, um, not seeing yourself as disabled is also important. So it's kind of like you have to pick
4: your audience in a sense, it feels like how you refer to yourself. I think we're saying the same thing that someone who you're talking to is like, say, Devon's disability. Well, if you're talking to someone who's unaffected by you know, this this then they would say, Well I can't walk upstairs easily, I can't access this easily, I can't can't start a screen as long or then that is a disability for, for the for them. But it's it's who you're talking to. It's not for you. It's just who you're talking to. To, yeah. to say that you have a, you know a disability or not or you think you're you think you're doing great and you think you have different challenges. But that's if you say like that, oh no, I do have a to more challenges I have to face up to. Then that's Yeah. That's not gonna help them to, to help you. Really. If they wanna you're gonna first help from somebody it's not gonna help them to to know that you would you th- you think you can meet challenges. i sure you can, but I mean they're asking for if they can help. And if they can help by you know, helping up the stairs or or improving your screen is that later that, then, then that's to them it's not self-talk self-talk and talk that side is different
2: yeah no that's true kind of like the way you um, word it to other people like you get more help when you call it a disability yeah. Yeah. you call it a limitation or a challenge like people, people don't take that to seriously but if, but if you, you say, say the word disability word, they legally have to so all of a sudden they will but apparently you know like it's it's really different. And yeah, you can, t- you can talk to yourself
0: a certain way, but when it comes to like legal things and school things, it's. Yeah, yeah. I think the self talk part was really important
2: because yeah. like she would always be
0: differently abled, and that was like a word that stuck out to me. And then when she described the visual technique she used too. Like, I with disorder. the slider Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I was like, that's such an interesting visual way to try to like.
2: Make yourself feel more confident. So, I, yeah, when she said like that, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I feel like, that. like, that was, and it's so visual too, which like, visuals are great. Um, I really liked that when she brought up the sword and how like every challenge is just like making you sharper and like, yeah, that was awesome.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one, that just didn't really help me a lot, but I, like, I appreciate what you're saying for sure. Like, i like your shoes, turn you. visualization helps it, and then go for it. But for me, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, it's just different attitudes towards it. And mean, for me, it didn't, it didn't really relate to me as well, but, Yeah, yeah kind of, like, take what you get from things and,
2: like, yeah. um, uh, find things that help you, and if it didn't, like, have a significant yeah. thing for you, then, meh. Yeah. 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 I forgot I thinking again. <laughs> That's okay. We're all impulsive people. It's fine.
4: <laughs> I'm not using my headset for the first time today, so I'm not sure. Hopefully, this recording is all gonna work out well because it could just be a mess. I think it's
2: <laughs> fine. But I think it
4: probably Better do than I do it again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um.
1: Do you Do want, you want to talking? talk to
4: him? Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Camera lights, <here>. you know. <laughs> Another inspiration. <Another? laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh. She also later on talked about how, um, like growing up when she, <laughs> when she was younger, um they didn't call it a brain injury or anything like they just just referred to it it as like a brain aneurysm because like people would know what that is and she kind of also talked about how like in a sense it was good but then also it wasn't um because uh just like realizing that all these things could have been related to that but then she also just never had she never kind of put those restrictions on herself um and, and like, like went I into being like, like, oh, I, I can't, can't do that because I have a brain injury. Um, so, so that was also interesting time. for her talk about like, like how she kind of um, dealt, dealt with finding out that it wasn't was just a brain injury. Well, not, not just a brain injury, but you know what I mean? What like it, it was it was a brain, brain injury and it was different than what she had grown up knowing.
4: And do you remember?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll go on that first, but I do remember now. Uh, <laughs> I,
4: think right
1: I, think, I think that a lot of us can, not a lot of us, I can't I actually say that, but I can kind of relate to that as well, just because it's, like, for, like, years I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much as good as I'm going to get from my concussion, and then, like, every now and then I find out something that was like, eh, hey, that was totally brain injury related, <laughs> and it's kind of like, oh. um it always feels kind of heavy, but it also it like is nice that it wasn't like filling up my head all the time, you know. think like it wasn't always a stressor, because now I am at the point to where like I'm work, I'm adapting and I'm working with it, and I think that it's that balance is so important, like that acknowledgement without obsessing. It's so good, mm-hmm. but so so important. But it's like nice to know what's going on, right? So
0: that way I ask it's kind of that good and bad with like the internet age, where like you have access to all this information, but you should not use it all. Like you don't need to look at every single article ever about your concussion, but you do need to like work on yourself more so. Yeah, yeah. it's like
1: I like am obsessed about every single thing that I'm doing. It. Whether it's helping or making it worse, yeah. but then I just like would never be present. Like, mm. like and I find that like I'll just like leave. Like, I was on this the other day. I was watching a TV show with my sister that I hadn't seen in a few years. And I remembered the names of two characters. And I was like, and it's such a cool thing, but like, and I wasn't really into it. Like, it just happened. And I was like, oh man, that's that's new. I just felt like I remember something. But it's like, if I'd been obsessed, I would have, I don't know, I might have missed it, you know? Um, but what I was going to say earlier is somebody thought of in group, he asked her, I have it in did you, hang on, let's point out. <laughs> I took one, he asked Ella if she had um, considered herself to have recovered,
2: or to have redeveloped, or both. Oh, yeah, I like that question. Yeah. yeah, and she was like, she
1: said she never heard the term redeveloped before, but she loved it. I really liked that, too.
2: I really like that. Yeah, you're
1: redeveloping. You kind of push back,
0: right?
1: A person, but then you get to redevelop yourself in new,
0: different ways. And it's yeah. kind of positive and exciting. Yeah. I thought it was, like, she was just... She was so young when this happened too, like only 14. And I was just kind of like, I wonder if she grieved the loss of an identity she had before. Because I mean, when you're 12, 13, I don't know, I don't miss when I was that age. But maybe she just kind of grieved the loss of who she could have become in a way. And it was really of like, maybe you never had that chance to develop what you thought you were going to be like, you thought you were going to be a lawyer and all that. But like, this was your chance to redevelop into who you are now, and you're a motivating, strong person, and that's amazing in itself.
1: Yeah. When I was, my injury happened when I was 14, and it was a combination. It still is a combination of grieving. Um, at the time, I didn't really take the time to grieve like I needed to because I didn't really, you know, you're 14, I actually to know that you grieve yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what concept? Yeah. Um, but I totally was grieving, like, soccer, and not being able to read, and, like, like, my general personality. Like, because I felt so much more awkward, like we were talking about the other week, and I just didn't feel like I functioned the same in the world. I felt, like, inherently different than everyone else. Which is honestly kind of how I've always a little bit felt, but it was very, very exacerbated after the injury. But then there's also, like, as I've gotten older, there has been this, like, so I look back on high school and like my 14 to 18 years old, we're so dysfunctional. Like, I, I didn't really, you know, I don't even know what I did, to be honest. And I kind of grieve that. I, I grieve, like, you know, not having to have had that same experience as other kids. Granted, everyone says they hate high school, um, except for some people um, seem to have really loved it. But um, it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I hated it for
2: the, you know, sometimes it's like a, I agree <laughs> like, like everyone else, you know, just just to yeah,
1: like
2: Like just from like what we learned about her, um, from talking, like it sounds like her family, her support, um, like her people helping her through her rehab, um, like they, she didn't really talk about like friends and growing up and stuff, but. Other than that, like, I feel like she seemed like she maintained a pretty, like, normal life-ish to an extent. Like, um, she was talking about how, like, she plays soccer now, and um, she wears, like, a little protective headgear thing. But, like, that was just, like, normal. She, whatever, it's no big deal. Um, I don't know. She just normalized a lot of things, which seemed really to be surrounded by all that.
1: She also talked about, like, the recharge time getting shorter, and that's how she knew she was getting better, those breakthrough moments.
3: Yeah, that was a good one, too.
1: Yeah, and I really, I really relate to that, especially yeah. because, like, just, like, the mental health aspect, not even just, like, the physical health aspect, but the, like, spinning out because of, you know... It, Something, but then, but then like, like being able know. to recover from that faster,
2: yeah, like not even like being symptom free or something, it's more like, Can I do such and such and recover in such and such amount of time? I that was really cool. How much faster can
1: I bounce back?
2: Yeah, I think Thomas. it's yeah, how much time does it take when you go into your CPAC battery to recharge? You know, like that type of thing,
1: yeah. That's what I was talking about with my concussion doctor. She gave me the light things. I'm staring at, I'm looking at the lights that are different frequencies. to Stabilize my heartbeat, the symptomics thing. Um, I can't remember if I talked about that last week. But she said a big thing that she hears is people recharge faster after all their symptoms get tripped. And she's like, that's kind of the goal. Like, I'm not saying that you're not going to be exhausted faster than, you know, your non-brain injury person but can we get you back on your feet faster mm. that's, that's a really nice way to think about it too because then it just feels more attainable which i think, I think is what it's you're talking about like shifting like our perspective yeah the percentage things if i set my goal to a realistic attainable goal which is just maybe i can recharge in a day versus two days at some point in time and
2: i've I also like the whole. Um, she wasn't like super focused on being symptom free, which I think is a big thing. Like everyone just wants to be symptom free, um, but her recharging faster thing um, is definitely a better way of looking at it because you can't really fixate on it as much. You can't. Um, I mean, like I. You know, I take that back. You could fixate on it because you want you really want to fixate on it but it's just a better way of thinking you're not obsessing over getting rid of the symptoms it's more the recovery period that's important
4: that's kind of what i think but that's like your thoughts like perspective i know for mm-hmm. me, when i was with my recovery wasn't like symptoms like they would say "Does this hurt is this hurt, hurt? can you see this or or i knew i had certain issues but i never considered them I ever thought the word symptoms and uh you know when you start just saying I want to be symptom free, you start counting out your symptoms. Okay, I don't have that anymore, I don't have this anymore, I don't have this anymore. Then but then you have to obviously have to fix down them to do it. You get, you know, they're gone. And if you yeah. don't if you stop thinking of them like as symptoms, as more just parts of your life that you're you know, there then, then it'll just be a little bit easier. So like, well, this is not not much of an issue, but like my double it's not as much energy as it was. But it doesn't mean television was television was this is a symptom, but it's not gonna go away anytime I can I always all that forever. And I mean the same my walking and my balance and stuff, so but I mean, Yeah. Just again, uh, just for perspective, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And perspective is really
2: important. And I think it's also just kind of accepting like it's not you're not fully accepting this. But you're not, like, actively fighting your symptoms because, like, like we've talked about before, like, um, when you resist, they persist. Like, you're not trying to, like, act like they're not there. You're not trying to make them go away. You're more just focused on, like Nick said, like, things being better overall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of how she defined breakthrough, too. Like, it's many moments, not just one. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of reminded yeah. me of this image that I've seen, probably other people have seen it because it's just online, but it was like a ladder going up into the clouds kind of thing. And it's like one really giant step all after the other, and the person's like can barely reach it. But then the other ladders, these little tiny ones, and the person's way further up, and it's like the more you visualize smaller steps, the further you're going to get.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. that's really Yeah, but I saw that image, I was like, wow. that that's really <laughs> like, Wow.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes the whole, like, they tell you, you're just like, I'm sure what to say because of the word acceptance. And I think what happens is sometimes people think that when they accept these challenges that they have to face, then they're, like, giving up or something.
2: Which it's not, really. If anything, you're doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's accepting so that you can problem solve, because you
1: can't we live are. in this world of delusion i talk about my world of my world of pretend that i like to go into because then it doesn't feel like i have to give anything up but it's not giving up it's just it's, it's working around it yeah. it's, it's,
4: it's accepting accepting that there are challenges not yeah they're not people that there are challenges
2: yeah, accepting that there are challenges, there are difficulties, but you're not accepting it as, like, your end point, like, exactly. you're just accepting that that's what you need to deal with right now, and, like, that's how it is. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting, too, like, from a really nerdy biology perspective, adaptation is what makes, like, lineages go longer, yeah. so it's honestly the best trait that you want to have, because that's what propels you forward and keeps things moving,
1: in mm-hmm.
0: the Darwin survival kind of way. <laughs>
1: I was just thinking about how long... I don't think I've ever had a doctor, or maybe back then I didn't, I can't remember about right now, but um, I've never really had a doctor be like, hey, like, you might never be symptomatic free. Like, I've never really had a doctor sit down and kind of be like, let's break this down into little goals of recovery. And I think that's interesting, because, you know, when you go to a doctor, like, we're just in like, we're told from a young age that you go to the doctor and they, they fix you, you and you're good.
0: Yeah.
1: And, like, like I, think I think we still, still go, go into that with some questions, questions and, like, they're, they're going to fix me and me I'm going to be good. Like, and, like, and they, they kind of just like, like, it's, it's not, like, not that they're saying that we're going to be, be symptomatic free, but, but they're also not, not saying, saying that, you yeah, maybe we just, just got to focus on little goals. It's just, it's not really talked about. I think it would be interesting. It took me, like, I had to figure out on my own. Like what Ella was saying, that I'm not gonna be how I was before. Like I had, I had to kind of figure that all out myself. That I had to accept that this is such a to get. But I always kind of felt like, I mean, maybe I wasn't doing good enough because I'm not better all the way. And I think it would be interesting if doctors kind of took that time to be like, you know, maybe we won't get your vision back 100% to where it was, but let's just
2: try and shoot for 70. You know, Even just, just, like, like what like, your concussion doctor was saying about, like, your, with your right, light stuff, like, how it's not, like, she's not saying it's going to cure and fix everything. It's just that like it's going to be a quicker bounce back.
0: Mm-hmm. This reminds me so much of the physical versus mental health, like, healthcare systems. Because, yeah. like, in physical yeah. health, oftentimes it's like, oh, you broke your leg, put in a we'll fix it, physiotherapy, you're good to go. Probably back to where you were at before. But then mental health, is like, no, you got to do these small, small steps and it might improve your mood. And it almost sounds like, because the physical changes, they try to fix them and things aren't really improving because a lot of the symptoms are coming from your mind as well. And depression, anxiety are all likely to increase after a brain injury. That is like the doctors really have to actually focus on that part where it's small steps first. Yeah, and my doctor said, we're
1: just trying to get me out of my sympathetic system, my fight or flight. We can't feel stuff until I get out of that. And it does I me mean, that, that anxiety and that like fight or flight mode like does need to like chill out so we can figure out what is you know, what it's like just visual sensing. Yeah. What?
0: It's all just such a big emphasis on how the two have to combine. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think they do a similar thing with like chronic pain as well sometimes. Like, you finally hear about pain management one day, and it's like... But if you still don't... You still aren't always, like... You're still going to be in pain. To a little extent, you
2: know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's really sure. Interesting. Alright, well... Um... Thanks to... Or did anyone have anything to add before we wrap up? Alright. Um, so... Thanks again to Ella for her awesome talk. You guys can find her on Instagram. Um, I think her Instagram is Retain Your Brain. Uh, if not, you can find her website, which is Retain Your Brain. Retain
4: your brain. Retrain your brain.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks to Nick for helping us do this podcast. Uh, we'll have a new podcast hosted um, Monday mornings. Upcoming podcasts can be found on concussiontalk.com, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. You can find more information about our group on concussionmtl.com. Our peer to peer support group is free and open to everyone, and we hold three weekly meetings on Zoom, which will also be linked in the description. Thanks for joining me today, guys. HeadCheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more. The Music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound www.bensound.com. Hold
1: up. What was that?